We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. Pass is caught. Diggs. Touchdown. Fantasy football rankings and what goes into creating them. How can certain elements affect them and much much more is what we're going to talk about on today's show we're going to be going inside the mind of sean siegel to talk about his rankings process and and what goes into it even things potentially like the schedule release over the last week and who knows maybe week 17 make it factored into that as well we'll be asking sean all those things on today's show sean we are here we are our first show of the week excited for this always excited to talk best ball we did a bbm four draft this past week our, our it was like a bonus show actually now that i go back to think i was just thinking in my head there it was our fourth show last week i almost it was our third show so we hit four episodes of road of his ot last week we're hoping to hit three at least this week who knows we might even sneak a bonus show in there for you but that was a lot of fun going through that draft and we're going to look a little bit about how potentially that is factored in we did go off Sean's rankings quite a bit going through some of the the different elements we talked about certain players and and how that range varied based on ADP versus the rankings but Sean first show off the week here as we head midway through May the the time is flying by how are you today awesome as you mentioned we had a schedule released that was a lot of fun I have an article up on the site uh, last Friday right after the release Going through a lot of the ramifications there, Colin, we're going to discuss a few of those in today's show. We did the BBM4 draft this past weekend. We actually drafted just a few hours before the schedule release. And so one of the things we're going to look at today are some tweaks we might have made if we had known what week 16, week 17 had in store. One of the things I really like about this draft, and this will be an article on the site at some point this week, ideally as long as there aren't so many other ideas that pop up that it gets pushed back a little bit but this draft that we did last week fits just so closely with the takeaways from the underdog roster construction explorer the underdog advance rate explorer i thought that that part was really fun and so i mean could we win the three million dollars with our first draft hopefully it's going to be one draft at some spot. So why not the first OT draft of the season? 
Colin, we've got an interesting listener question here. I really like this one. Very thoughtful and dives into some of the nuance of player rankings that you know, sometimes gets glossed over, but really is pretty important. Yeah, because there's a lot of people just want to see where the rankings are and not what is going on behind it. They just want to know. So Nick has sent in a message in terms of the rankings process. He said with the release of Baseball Mania 4, he figured that you and Sean would be getting into some baseball stuff after rookie draft season. And he's 100% right about that, Sean. We, we will be. And we'll be continuing to add some Dynasty stuff in. But yeah, we're really going to get into those baseball weeds here as we move forward. He said he had a question about Sean's baseball rankings process. He also mentioned, Sean, this is something that people do mention from time to time when they get in touch is your rankings can be quite different from what you see in most fantasy rankers he says you know that has a lot to do with your personal fantasy football stylings with the lack of succumbing to i guess he says here the fantasy football twitter bug but you know you could say the consensus rankings or you know checking on the other rankings to see where they are and things like that he said however he was curious as to what all you take into your player ranks so for example do you bake in the potential roster constructions that appear advantageous against market ADP, such as Jalen Waddle at his current ADP of wide receiver six at the one-two turn? Is he higher than the market consensus on Waddle purely based on Waddle's individual talents and potential, or is there a small boost he applies to Waddle stock due to the relative easy accessibility of stacking Waddle with Tua, a player who is undervalued by the community and going off at a low cost? Know, with a high reward later in the draft and that again for anyone who didn't check out the draft we're going to cover a lot of this on today so we did do some conversations around the cost of certain stacks during that draft as well with the focus on that one being you know on a, a number of the teams with the likes of Kenny Pickett for example but he mentions here another similar one and this would be one that I would be targeting is Jahan Dodson and Sam Howell he said hopefully the question makes sense if not just ignore me he's lost in the the best ball sauce but very understandable makes a lot of sense sean i'll let you take the angle where you want to start and then we'll, we'll run through some follow-ups but a very detailed question there by nick so thanks for sending that one in yeah that's a great question and my first reaction to it is sort of the simplest which is that the rankings are purely a reflection of how much value a player has when you're looking at the variety of ways that he can help you win your individual league and obviously in these big tournaments then put you in the mix to win the big money and column one of the interesting debates and it kind of goes beyond the scope of this show and we'll talk about it more in the future but there is a potential tension at least between advance rate and having the chance to win the entire thing and just one easy <laughs> example would be on the winning team and the quarterback who was in the lineup for the two million dollars last season that quarterback actually had only an eight percent advance rate which is terrible right so there are going to be situations in which certain players are going to need to get you there other players are going to give you exposure to a construction that allows you to win the whole thing. But going back to really 2008, and then for many listeners, readers, starting with that 2013 time period where Rotovis began, and then obviously the build through the beginning of OT and then to today, 
I feel very good about the combination of player rankings and structural tactics that have allowed us to accomplish both objectives. That doesn't mean that every single roster is going to win its league and then have a chance to win the big money. But for the number of teams entered into tournaments, the number of league-winning teams and then teams that make the finals in this format or that format has been very, very good. So it's not that we can rest on those laurels and say, well, that's going to continue on out permanently and there, there's nothing to, to think about or any work to do or anything like that. But the approach has been effective to this point, which is something that you want to be the case. Otherwise, you, you definitely need to really go in there and tinker and make some changes. But beyond just the, the big picture response of saying this player has the mix of floor and ceiling and especially that mix of median outcome very clearly beating ADP and then high outcome giving you a tournament winning result, there are going to be some nuances. And the question here dives into them in a really valuable way. One of the reasons we do like Jalen Waddle is because you can put him with Tua. And so that part is meaningful. The biggest reason that we like Waddle is simply that when you look at Tyreek Hill, who often goes off the board as early as the 103, if you look back to our draft last Thursday, Hill does go with the 103, and Waddle almost makes it back to us. Now, we had the 102. That was awesome. We got to take Jamar Chase. We're kind of watching. We're like, there's no way Jimmy Waddle is going to make it to the 211, but you're hoping and hoping and hoping. He makes it to the 209. So there's a big difference between those guys, even though it's first round and second round. When you look at what Waddle has done in his first two seasons, and you think about the potential for those guys to flip. It's not that it's likely or more likely than not, but the potential for those guys to flip is still underpriced when you see the gap in them there. So we want to be on Waddle as a potential league-winning guy. As the question mentions, I have him as the wide receiver 6. He goes off as the wide receiver 12 in this draft. I think that's really hard to understand when you, you think about what he's done. So one of the things that's happening there is you have to imagine a little bit of a discount is being applied to Waddle because he might have to deal with poor quarterback play. But the problem in thinking through that is, I mean, how is Tyreek Hill so expensive then? Because they're going to have the same quarterback. So that part I think is interesting as we work through the prices of some of these guys. So the specifics on Waddle wouldn't necessarily be, yes, the stack with Tua, but as we're looking at the players who have sort of asymmetrical outcomes at their ADP level, those are going to be guys where I just simply have them ranked higher because I am trying to more balance what I see as the outcomes on the upside and the downside. Usually my rankings, as weird as my rankings do appear sometimes and they do seem strange. Really still the vast majority of players are ranked very close to ADP. So it's it's more specific individuals who will jump out. And occasionally we get those wrong, right? I mean, last year, Amari Cooper really looked like a potential landmine. It was the exact opposite. So it's not that these are going to be exactly right, but the guys that we picked out historically have done really well on a percentage basis. And we're looking at profiles there we're looking at 
who is most likely and again based on their profiles it's not that we can see some kind of future that other people can't see but you're looking at the evidence you're looking at what you want to accomplish structurally and so if seeding a roster with a lot of players who are ready to make the jump or have these outcomes that are not adequately priced in that's the way that you're going to be able to make up for your misses because one of the things is everybody is going to miss and so if you can miss on an Amari Cooper on your rosters, not have him, not have him rank correctly, and then still have a lot of success because the players that you have targeted to draft, it's more important to be right on the players that you target to draft as opposed to the players that you are passing over. Although if you don't have a Cooper, you don't have a Josh Jacobs in any given year, and that can be then a hurdle you have to overcome. So we're going to put together rosters that overcome those mistakes, or at least that is the goal of the rankings. The other thing that we have in here in terms of what are we considering would be simply the structure, which is that we know that we want certain players in certain areas of the draft. And so the rankings are going to emphasize those guys, not in a huge way, because we don't want to pull people completely off center from where ADP is. But we're going to put together the rankings in a way that allows you to get wide receivers where you need wide receivers, that allows you to get running backs where you need to get running backs. And then this is a, a unique and interesting season at QB and tight end where I think that there are two or three approaches at both positions that have a lot of upside. So unlike a lot of years, I, I don't think it's straightforward how you play those two positions. That actually makes drafts a lot more interesting. You're not going to go into a draft and feel sort of robotic. You're going to get to think through it. You're going to get to approach different scenarios that maybe in other years, you're like, yeah, I mean, I've got to hit the two QBs in the window. That kind of limits my options to this handful of guys. Maybe I have to reach a little bit, or I just know that I'm going to go in and, and take those players. I know I want an elite tight end, so I'm going to have that coming out of the beginning. You can still do those things. Those approaches should be very effective. We know that over a wide window, those are effective. One of the things that's interesting when you pull up the underdog RCE for this past season is that a lot of the outcomes are really exaggerated. And they're exaggerated not be just because of what happened at a specific position in a certain area of the draft, but also kind of the, the flip side of that or <laughs> the other side of the coin where that result was really amplified by a corresponding negative result in another area of the draft. And so you want to take a view of it that goes beyond just looking at 2023. If you're looking just at 2023 and saying, this is what wins or this is what loses, this is the new normal, you're probably going to be wrong and make some mistakes. On the other hand, the fundamental change going into 2023 where you know we're now into this zero rb or hero rb era that a lot of people refer to that has consequences that are real and are far-reaching and consequences column that we'll discuss in more detail on future shows but those elements what we need to do structurally to accomplish these league winning and tournament winning teams those elements do factor into how we're looking at these rankings we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When we did this draft, it was obviously Thursday, the, the draft then, or the schedule dropped after that. Since that schedule has dropped, have you made any adjustments? Is the schedule something that would adjust your, your rankings? You also mentioned with the likes of Waddle and his first and second year in the league, the possible ascension of him from where he is now to being an absolute superstar. When you're doing your rankings and setting them out, are you looking at, waddle and then you're, and we don't have to keep using waddle as the example but olave is not range for example are we looking at like you know the ascension that's plus one point for him versus let's just say uh Devontae adams getting older that's one point down for him how, how are you splitting those hairs what is going in in terms of the when you've had those tight decisions to make who is moving up and down based on what criteria so to start by looking at this idea of the breakout players, that's always been a really large emphasis for Rotoviz. It's been a large emphasis for me. Obviously, you and I focus on those players when we draft together. We've had great success when we draft with Blair, who really likes young players. Blair Andrews has many, many articles out on the site about age curves, about age profiles, about the way that 21-year-old rookies tend to outperform. A couple of new recent articles on that just in the last week, week and a half. You'll want to check those elements out. Connor has had some great articles on the site and I think has one upcoming probably sometime in the next week. You'll want to be looking for that one. It discusses some elements of second-year players. He had an article last year discussing second-year wide receivers and how much more expensive they were and how that is going to close a lot of that gap. And so price is going to come into play. So it's not purely a matter of looking at a guy and saying there's some breakout potential here so we have to draft him higher and higher and higher in order to get him because at some point you end up drafting that player above what even the high outcome realistically is and so one of the things that we've talked a lot about through the years on stealing bananas and has been very helpful in building the teams that i have with ben obviously similar to some of the ideas that you and i talk about colin but this idea of fading projections at least to an extent and it's not that we aren't aware of the projections obviously projections within the community have gotten to be very tight and with that then they have a huge influence on adp but we're really heavily looking at ranges of outcome and we're really heavily emphasizing the types of combinations of players that give you exposure to the upside outcomes without creating so much risk that the misses neutralize the victories 
right? If you're drafting teams where you hit occasionally, but because you've taken so much risk, the team is really bad either way, then you're not going to be successful. And so one of the reasons why Waddle ends up being such a good example is that the pricing there leaves the opportunity for him to flip positions with Tyree Kill. If he were going as the wide receiver, say, five at the 108, and Hill was going at you know, 109, 110, you wouldn't continue to draft Jalen Waddle even higher just to get exposure to him because you've already overpaid at that point. And so price is going to be very important, but price with the idea that, yeah, we want to continue to stack upside players into the rosters. And so then, again, the, the analysis, the evidence, and diving into some of these, the the straightforward profile, the peripherals, understanding what parts of the peripherals actually are predictive. We've got lots of information on the site through the years about that. And as a result, again, it's not like when you're picking breakout players, you're going to be 100% on, on your hits. <laughs> if that were the case, then it would just be easier to do and everybody would do it all the time. And again, the value of it, that loophole would be closed. I mean, one of the elements with things that we've talked about at Rovis since you know, 2013 and in the last few years, certain loopholes are closing. Like, I mean, it's great that people realize what we've been talking about for a decade is true, but now our listeners and subscribers don't get necessarily the same value because that portion of it is closed. Well, then you've got to work with the evolution. You have to understand what the ramifications are. Again, I kind of mentioned the far reaching implications of moving into the zero RB era. So we'll go through some of those things. But yeah, we want to have exposure to the upside, but we're continuing to think about price because we have to have enough overall value represented in the roster that when we hit, it matters, as opposed to being like, you know, we can point to this guy we hit on while our team is losing. That obviously isn't the objective. The other portion that you mentioned with the schedule is just very, very fun. Column, as the schedule comes out, there are a handful of teams where you're like, now this is a potential week 17 shootout you're excited for that you have a handful of places where you're looking and saying well now this is a great correlation play so if you have justin jefferson at the 101 then maybe now you're looking at jordan love at one turn earlier because he's not going to get back to you and you'd love to play both sides of that game perhaps you don't want to play both sides of that game because you're thinking, well, the Vikings are just going to blow them out. I'm going to look at a different place for a quarterback. But it's a question that you then have to answer as opposed to not being a consideration pre-schedule release. We also have some players who are potentially simply falling because their Week 17 game looks pretty bland. Maybe the team wins fairly easily. One of the things you have to remember when the team wins easily is that they did win easily and score points. And so there's a the question of, you know, did the starters score those points or, you know, did they get some unfortunate touchdowns to the wrong guys early and then your players are taken out? Really, you want these huge shootouts, but you also have to be aware of the potential stealth shootout. I, not many people are going to be looking at that Tampa Bay Carolina game as the game that would decide things. Who's this it, year's Detroit Lions, Sean? Who's this year's Detroit Lions? That's what we're looking for. Yeah, so it's the Carolina Panthers. The, well, well the Carolina Panthers. That's your. No, that's it's your not. I just. <laughs> I I went with the Panthers as one of the games that was not going to 
elevate players in week 17. You got Panthers, Jaguars. Do you like Trevor Lawrence in that game? Yeah, I think it's going to be fine. Give me another week to see. I'll, I'll get hyped over these ugly games. <laughs> so, Colin, when we look at our team and we look at the schedule, I've gone through and I have about two-thirds of the games that I think are very playable. And obviously all the games are playable, again, at a particular price and within a particular scenario that you have built on your team. But what things would you be looking at for us to potentially do differently? What games really jump out for you in Week 17? I think Sean Hood gets a lot of fun with these, isn't I joked about the you know the potential ugly games but one of our ongoing kind of jokes last year was between the the jets uh the seahawks and then we obviously like the lions as well they were not favorable teams or teams that people were excited to draft last year made them you know very very nice value so i think it's gonna be interesting to see how the offseason continues to progress and, and which teams not fall into that bracket but for teams that we think that there is gonna be real exciting high upside potential i do think the the dolphins and the the ravens probably peaks that list and you mentioned the the packers and the vikings game and i do think that anytime you get a game indoors against minnesota and i do think the packers will be better i think on offense than people are maybe expecting i'm hoping that their pace of play picks up this year maybe that's down to the coaching staff rather than Aaron Rodgers. I think that the, any potential issues that they would have at that point of the season may have had a chance to work through. So I think that could could be a little bit of a shootout as well. But there is a number of nice games in there in Week 17. But like we talked about last offseason, I think some of these games, even like the, the Lions and the Cowboys, will become more appetizing, I think, as the season or the offseason progresses here. But in the early stages, those are kind of three of my favorites. And I guess I'm leaning into that as well because... There's players on on those that I like. If I'm looking, though, so far out of ones that probably have fantasy stars that are going to be available at prices where you can combine some of those names, the, the Cowboys and the Lions might be one of the, the lower-cost options, potentially. When we're looking at the Ravens, you know, it, it gets quite expensive on both sides of that game. It does. And I like some of those that you mentioned there. I really like the Chargers-Broncos game in part because you had disappointing seasons from Justin Herbert, I should say just disappointing for him, a cataclysmic season for a Russell bit disapp- Wilson. The Broncos are probably a little bit disappointed with how last season went, I think. Might be a yeah. little bit disappointed. So, But the Broncos also have... This the, This is just a gut feeling. There's no like science behind this, but for some reason I just have a feeling that the Broncos, although it's a harder division, I, I could see a turnaround... Probably not as extreme as the Jacksonville Jaguars, but in that kind of range. Yeah, I mean, you have Sean Payton. You still have these like tiny, tiny hopes for a Russell Wilson. He was somebody we definitely considered at quarterback late in our draft. You, you think, had... sorry to interrupt, but you think back to this time last year, remember the excitement that people had around the Denver Broncos? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you had to pay up for these that guys. That was off the charts. Well, and the contrast now, where... You look at our draft here, Mike Williams goes in the middle of round four. That's probably still a little bit enthusiastic for him. But Keenan Allen, one pick later, we were hoping that there'd be at least a small chance that he would get to us at the end of four. He often does. 
And then the small chance portion would be Jerry Judy wrapping back around to us early in the fifth. If you can go Allen Judy at the four or five turn, that now becomes an extremely appealing build. We selected Judy at the 411. One of the questions that we had in round seven there was what additional wide receiver do you want to add in? We selected Mike Evans. I think that that's a hard play to go away from. We talk about rankings too, and, and where do we find the upside? Last season, it was very clear that Evans was overvalued when he's going in the late second. Now, drafters who selected him there still had some exposure to this extreme outcome where Tom Brady doesn't kind of go away in his final season and Mike Evans with the other guys maybe having some health issues Mike Evans goes off and scores 15 touchdowns so there's still an out for players who overdrafted him but that ADP didn't make sense the flip side of it is that when you're talking about Mike Evans the 702 doesn't make sense either especially now that we're in wide receiver avalanche drafts so we were going to pick him there but if he's not there there's nobody else in that next mix. So right after Evans goes Jordan Addison, then Traylon Burks, Deontay Johnson, Michael Thomas is the 712, Gabe Davis 802, Brandon Cooks in the middle of eight, and then Quentin Johnston. One pick after him and one pick ahead of Jahan Dotson. You look at those guys there, it'll be interesting to see how the ADPs in that range evolve throughout the summer. I mean, there are so many underdog drafts that you're not going to influence ADP at all with where you select somebody in any given one-off draft. In other formats, you might be concerned that if you're taking Quentin Johnson at the 702 and he's somebody you want to have a lot of exposure, that number one, your exposure will get too high. Number two, the price will get higher. And so you have too much exposure also at a price that doesn't really work for you. But when you look back to this draft now, I mean, I would love to have Johnston at the 702 if Evans isn't there because playing this Broncos Chargers game is something I want to do in part because it's it's just impossible not to anchor to what happened this year. I mean, you want to factor in what happened the last year. We know the previous year's results when you're looking at how you project the upcoming season are the ones that are most relevant but especially when you're thinking about players like Herbert, when you're thinking about players like a Wilson, when you're talking about a new offensive coordinator and a new head coach, when you think about some of the additions that those teams have made with a Marvin Mims, with a Johnson, the way that those two teams could evolve, there's going to be a lot of upside embedded in most Chargers, Broncos types of builds. It's not a lock by any stretch. You want to try and have some awareness of price and not get your exposures really high at bad prices. But that's a game that we're going to want to play some. Two final questions as we get ready to wrap up. I think that the listeners will have. When it's a player, and you mentioned Amari Cooper last year as an example, the player maybe that is on your avoid list, for example, not going to be a priority target. Is it hard to keep them up your rankings in terms of where they would be technically going based around ADP a little bit or is that something that you find easy to to drop those guys further down and then the second part to tie into that is question we do get and as mentioned here obviously a little bit different to some of the rankings around the industry 
we talked about this on the draft when we were talking about Kenny Pickett specifically in terms of how late he is going. And you mentioned there a little bit with Waddle, how it doesn't really make sense that he is going so many picks after you think he should be. How then should listeners be implementing that into their own draft so they're not taking players, you know, four rounds ahead of ADP to make sure they get them? Yeah, it depends a lot if you're going to do five drafts or you're going to do 150. And it also depends a lot on how you prefer to play any given year. Do you want to spread things around so that you don't lose big and you diminish your chances to win big? Do you look at a year of best ball as one week of DFS? Or do you look at it as a lot of weeks that you're trying to spread around? If you look at it as one week, which I think there's a strong argument for, because you want to be playing your best ideas very heavily, then one of the key elements is knowing that if you play it like it's one week, you have extreme downside for that week. And with your, you know, you can call it bankroll or just, you know, with your finances, you want to make sure you don't overspend in a way where when the season goes sideways, that it's, emotionally destructive financially destructive those kinds of things if you're going to play it like that you've got to take the precautions and you have to have the psychological buffers in place to make sure that's going to work for you it is something that i kind of recommend if you want to maximize your chances to win tournaments but you have to understand what the downsides are a lot of which are emotional and emotional is very important but when we're looking at guys who are off by many rounds that's a tension I think that's interesting in the rankings where one of the things that I try to do with rankings is to show people actually where I am on players because otherwise you're not really giving very much value. It's impossible if you're really tied in to, as the question mentions, Twitter or just the community, it's impossible not to have a lot of other information. And I mean, information is good, but it's impossible not to have all of these things leak into the way that you're looking at somebody and saying, okay, well, if all of these guys like this person, if ADP likes this person, if this is where the market is, that's where I should be. Now, it probably is where you should be. We have all kinds of evidence about the wisdom of crowds. At the same time, for that wisdom of crowds effect to work, you actually have to have individual rankers. You have to have individual inputs that are not corrupted by all of these cascade effects, right? You have to have individual people putting in rankings that are actually their rankings as opposed to everyone just chasing the consensus. And so the thing that I would mention is that when I put my rankings out there, I am trying to give people a sense of where I am so that they can look at that and say, well, that's interesting because I value the opinion on this. It doesn't mean I'm going to draft directly off of Sean's rankings because probably some combination of Sean's rankings and the consensus is going to be more helpful now you know i do tend to, to draft mostly off of my rankings column and not take consensus that heavily into play because i have specific things that i want to do and i'm accountable to myself but when you're talking about other people you want them to not be destroyed by your specific rankings if that in fact is kind of the way that it works out but we have to put the rankings out there in a way that gives people actual information because just putting out rankings that are the exact same as everyone else's, I mean, 
<laughs> there's no value in that. But I do try and have at least a small element where I'm aware of ADP. So back to the question of how do the rankings work. If I'm three or four rounds off on a player, in many cases, I will move that player a little bit closer to ADP just to make sure that people who are following my rankings and maybe aren't as aware of ADP or maybe want to draft very heavily an RV team can get their Rotoviz branded team, can get their Rotoviz flavored team. I mean, you don't care about the branding, you want the flavor. You get that, but you're not massively overpaying, right? And so the ADP factors into trying to help people get their guys without reaching multiple rounds. So we're looking at that a little bit. In terms of the players we're avoiding, I, I don't even really worry too much about it because once you've got a guy below ADP enough that anybody following your rankings isn't going to get them, it doesn't really matter if they're like 10 spots below or 40 spots below. It's like that guy's not going to be on their roster. And so from that perspective, I just go ahead and leave some of those guys. And sometimes you look foolish and sometimes, you know, hopefully a little more often you look <laughs> perceptive. But again, we're working through the evidence and we're working through the types of players that help us accomplish our builds that have been successful and that we believe will be successful. They're not necessarily the same thing, but there are going to be elements that are similar. And then, you know, Colin, we're always trying to evolve and make sure we stay ahead because just simply saying that Rotoviz was on zero RB or Rotoviz was on this or that five years ago, and we had five years of great drafts and people are now figuring things out. That doesn't necessarily help you for 2023. We still want to do that. We're looking toward the future. Yeah, definitely. And that, that's a fantastic way to, to round up today's show. Great question coming in from Nick. I, I mention it every time questions like this come in, but there's questions that when we're doing our show, Sean, we sometimes, you know, we're trying to come up with topics but we're, we're also trying to figure out what is going to be helpful to people who are listening in and what do people who are listening in want to hear and then we get fantastic questions and suggestions like this from the road of his ot listeners brings out great discussions and uh, we really appreciate when they're sent in so thanks to nick for that if you have any questions or topics you'd like to hear over the next couple of months here on the podcast you can send them my way on twitter at overtime ireland or you can send an email across at overtime ireland at gmail.com or road of his radio at gmail.com i'll get them both ways lots of good discussion there we talked about sean's article looking at the schedule release as well that is linked in today's show notes if you want to head over and check that out if you want to sign up over at rotoviz and get yourself a 10 percent discount of a rotoviz nfl pass you can use the code rv radio 2023 at checkout that will save you 10 percent get you access to all of the content and tools including sean's rankings which we talked about on today's show we also did do the draft that we discussed a little bit today as a bonus show which did come out on saturday on the road of his overtime podcast feed so head over and check that out and i always do say make sure you are subscribed to the podcast feed then you get every show once it comes out and you would have found yourself with a nice little bonus episode there as well so make sure you do subscribe and drop us a written and a review until we are back have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.